2: Abner Meris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Meris, We'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, his American dream, sports, music, culture, and family life, being a husband, and even being a girl dad. Listen to On The Hook with Abner Medis wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English, out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish, out on Wednesdays.
1: Blue Liar. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined, as always, my co-host, Nick Falato, Here to recap the Giants' Week 5 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. I come back to this loss, and I think wow after watching the all 22 it really is amazing to me that they should have won this game said it about the rams game i haven't said it about the other ones i know nick and me kind of not disagree but just see those games a little differently i think their best opportunities to have won this season were that uh rams game and the cowboys games go figure things would be a lot different if they had converted and won those games and gone to two and three but this is still a team making stupid mistakes that cost them games and they're just there's a lot of unfortunate Opportunities that really make the difference. This is not like the 49ers game where they got destroyed. This is a different story, and that's what the All 22 told us. So, without further ado, we're going to dive into the All 22. We're going to start on this podcast by breaking down the offense on All 22, and then we're going to do the next podcast and we're going to break down the defense on All 22. So, as usual, thank you for tuning in. If you want to help us grow the podcast, I'll always say this at the beginning or end of the pod, so hopefully you guys can take it. But if you want to help us grow the podcast, follow us on instagram at ny big blue banter that's ny big blue banter and then as always the best way to help us grow is to download on itunes and to give us a rating or review there so thank you for all of you who have done that and to all of you tuning in because again we still got games to review we still want to see who's going to be building blocks part of this future and the all 22 tells us that so we're here for the ride let's start on offense here i want to start by kind of diving a bit and peeling back towards some of the points we made on the last podcast which was a reaction to the loss and let's start with the first one after reviewing the tape are you as down on the Jason Garrett experiment as I was or as you even were during that what do you feel about Garrett's game plan against the Cowboys his former team after watching the tape
2: Garrett's getting slammed on Twitter right now I honestly don't think it's as bad as everyone's making it out to be especially with what the Giants kind of have to work with on the offensive line at the skilled positions. And I have to acknowledge the fact that the Giants haven't been able to score many points. It's definitely frustrating. I think he could use the seam better. I think he can use the running back out of the backfield a little bit better. He used a lot of screens in this game. It worked on the first two. And then Jalen Smith was an absolute stud the entire game. Sniffed every one of those screens out. He was also great in the run game too. But I thought Garrett did a good job with... Running the football with different concepts, he ran, I had charted nine counters with double pullers, so a counter play to the weak side from the strength, so the Cowboys were lining up a lot with a three technique on the weak side, so that's an under front, and they would leave the end man on the line of scrimmage unblocked to be picked up by the backside guard, who was Kevin Zeitler, who would kick that guy out every single time with Caden Smith as the second puller, from the H back to the strength, pulling through to pick up that linebacker, and they were able to run the ball well on those counter plays. They also did a lot of single puller, so that gap power concept. We talked a lot about that in the offseason, Dan. A lot of gap pulls. They did that. I had it eight times throughout this game. They did it the right side, where Will Hernandez would pull around to the six or the eight hole, and then they would also do it with Kevin Zeitler. They did that four times, where they pull around to the five or seven hole, depending on the front that Dallas was in. So they were able to move the football well. They also ran a couple duo plays where they had double teams and they would move everybody vertical. And Devonta Freeman did a pretty good job finding holes in the A-gap on those specific runs. They had one stretch run. They used Evan Ingram twice on runs. They had one zone read built into it as well. And when in terms of the passing attack, I felt like there were much more vertical routes than I anticipated going into the all 22 it's just these receivers don't do an excellent job creating separation there were a couple times where I felt like CJ board and even Darius Slayton one at the line of scrimmage and Daniel Jones missed them because either he had a pass rusher right in his face or he was looking to the other side of the field at a quick passing concept slant flat there's still a lot of that they used a lot of spacing concepts against zone coverage which is meant to defeat zone coverage basically if you're in a cover two defense there's gonna be five underneath defenders and spacing concepts basically find the voids within those defenders by running quick curl routes now we've seen a lot of those and i know we've all complained about those and to some extent i do feel like they can be overused sometimes and i want to see a bit more creativity but after this game after watching this game on the all 22 i felt like he used a lot different passing concepts than i originally and anticipated going into the all 22 and i'm not as down on him as i was before watching it
1: yeah i think that's a fair evaluation i think i'll be the first to admit that i've been very harsh on jason garrett i'm one of these people on twitter who has been very harsh on jason garrett and as i go back and i watch the film as it relates to this specific game and the play calls he made within his specific system i came away a lot more impressed than i could have ever expected I thought, like you said, he did a really good day, really good job be, uh, having a nice mix and variety in the run game and using concepts that we haven't seen as much with the double pullers and the counters, stuff we talked about seeing in training camp in the blue and white scrimmage, we talked about seeing it in practice, and things we wanted to see that we got to finally see. It feels like this offensive line is starting to get more of a push in a run game than they ever had. It really feels like Devontae Freeman does an excellent job really powering through in short-yarded situations, especially that goal line run he had, that four-yard run. I really want to give him credit for that. It was an excellent run, but the blocking was excellent on that play as well. There was a few plays designed that were just really well blocked. That I give him credit for. I also give him credit for using Darius Slayton more in the slot this game. Darius Slayton has to become your ex, your number one receiver. If you watch this game on all 22, you will see some of the cleanest releases. Some plays that didn't even get off. A play where Jones missed him on a long ball. A play where he created incredible amounts of separation on a simple slant route that really shouldn't be happening. And it reminded me of the game against Chicago last year where he created that separation on slant route. Or the game against the Jets where he broke the ankles of the Jets defender on the slant route. And Wow, the ball didn't get there because there was a free blitzer, and this was one of the plays that changed the game because the Giants ended up having to settle for a field goal. The point is, Slayton is your X. Slayton is your one. And he did a better job getting him in the slot where he has a lot of success. I've found that Slayton has a lot of success when lined up not on the boundary, but in the slot and slot verticals. He had the, obviously the one-handed grab that was an excellent play, but just a lot of other plays I saw him create separation. Wow matched up in the slot, even on the short, you know, design route. So for that reason, I give Jason Garrett credit as well. I thought he had an excellent design on two-point conversion. I thought he had ex- did an excellent job with some of the screens, with some of the late motion. There was a third and short where he had an excellent play where he had Jones in the gun. Then at the last second, he motioned Jones under center, bring Eli Penny back into the mix, and then right before the snap, moved the receiver in motion across the o- opposite side of the formation. Just a lot of motion, a lot of misdirection, what I've been asking for, and then handed the ball to Penny for an easy first down. So I think he did a really good job with the play calling within his system. But my issue with Garrett really boils down to a philosophical issue and it boils down to a systematic issue. He's still doing some things that I feel don't make any sense. Why is Evan Ingram utilized the way he's Ingram? That uh, I'm sorry, the way he's utilized? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. Why is he still running at such an, a fervor pace on first and 10 and second and long situation? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why does he kind of, why does it kind of still feel to me like he really has this goal of getting first downs every time he's on the field and having these long, grueling drives where they patrol the clock? And, you know, it felt like when he got his running game going early, it felt like to me that click something in his brain like "Ooh, we got a running game going Ooh, we got a little lead we could start to run the ball we don't have to pass the ball on early downs because if you look at the numbers after the first two games the Giants were actually the most pass heavy team in the NFL on on neutral situations by, um, by neutral situations I mean uh, when you know you're not expected to run or pass and pass neutral situations and that has dropped all the way to the middle of the pack by week five so I feel like he's kind of gotten more in his groove of running I'm was giving him kudos back in week one and two, especially after the Steelers, which I thought was still his best game plan of the year. Um, although I think this was his best called game of the year, if that makes sense, for being pass heavy in pass neutral situations, because that's what the good teams do. So, and, and and overall, I still think he could use a lot more play action passing, a lot more play action passing. You saw a lot of that tonight from the Titans. You saw a lot of that early on from the Bills uh, that were recording this on Tuesday night after the surprising Tuesday game. Um, so I really think, again, there are things and concepts within his system and his overall philosophy that I do question to be completely honest with you but I would be remiss to tell you after watching this all 22 that he doesn't deserve credit for a lot of these plays that he designed getting slate involved in the slot the running game like you said was extremely diverse and found new ways to get yardage running the football kudos by the way to Freeman and Gallman. these are two really good backs and like I said one snap is too many for me with deon lewis on the field and i stand by that after watching these two run the ball and just kind of operate within the passing game there were even early plays i thought where garrett i thought the design it was either on garrett or jones i can't i don't really know was to come back to the to the running back in the flat and he had found some really good gains with freeman there a gain of nine and a gain of 11 or i think it was a gain of 13 to get to the dallas three to set up one of their first scoring drives so the one where they gave it to ingram so uh again there were things I liked about Garrett, uh, especially within the game plan. I'm still not sold on him long term. I still feel like he doesn't mesh quite as well with Daniel Jones. I think I still want to see a little more high-low concepts there with the half-field, with those half-field reads for Jones, because that's really what he did ec- an excellent job of with Shermer. But overall, I come away like you said, more pleased than I expected to be.
2: Yeah, that one nice high-low. I think it was on the opening script where it was a sprint smash kind of combination move the pocket where Daniel Jones rolled out and the outside receiver ran I want to say it was a pivot route so it wasn't a hitch like you, you typically see on the smash concept but then he ran a seven over the top of that with a horizontal cross to the back side and I just like seeing those kind of things implemented another thing with the play action game which I saw quite a few times it seemed like the Giants it looked it would look like an RPO because a Giants run blocking would be be executed the same way if they were running the ball in terms of pullers. So when they would, when the Cowboys, that is, would leave a guard, the backside guard uncovered, Will Hernandez, let's say it is, he would get up and he would pull, and then all the linebackers and the defense would read the run key, but it was really a design pass. Now I say it looks like an RPO because typically that's what an RPO is. And then Daniel Jones goes into the mesh point, but it doesn't seem like Daniel Jones, just by watching it kind of intently, is really reading anybody in terms of giving the ball to Devonta Freeman and the way everybody else is blocking. It doesn't seem like they're blocking necessarily to blow people off the line it's more of pass blocking outside of the puller so it seems like on those specific plays maybe jones has a pre-snap read of where he reads the cornerback's leverage and how far off he is of say darius slayton and it's going to be a quick slant so he'll do that play and it's designed as a run but in reality he's just going to throw that quick slant we actually saw that on the final drive but the cornerback sat on it really well and he actually knew it but the fact that garrett had that in his game plan I think they had two positive plays from that where the dallas defense was fooled by the fact that they thought they were running the football now i'm not 100 sure if those are actual rpos though because in those situations it does seem like all the other offensive linemen outside of that puller are kind of blocking for the pass right. they don't seem like they're necessarily blocking for the run but it's a good sign for what we've been talking about where we want to see mm-hmm. more zone read which we saw one of i think in this game where we want to see more RPO type of place, but before I go on any longer, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our lovely sponsors Even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever Indeed is here to help Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free... $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
1: Agreed. I think that he's going to continue to mix those in. As far as the zone read goes, I do think that from watching that like three or four times, I kept watching it back. I think that was just a bad read by Daniel Jones, actually, because if he he gives the ball there, I think they're going to get a nice six-yard gain there, especially if he cuts it back inside. The blocking was pretty solid there on that sweet play, Um, but Jones kept it and then avoided a a really negative loss and kind of spun back, but still took a, I think, six-yard loss on the play. But I hope that doesn't deter Garrett from using it because it's still... In this offense, this offense can be better with the zone read because Daniel Jones is that athletic as a quarterback.
2: I think on that specific play, though, I can't remember if it was Alden Smith or Everson Griffin, but they tightened their alignment up right before the snap, and Andrew Thomas was pulling... To the other side because he was uncovered until the snap was tightened down and then he basically got shoved on the ground and then when Daniel Jones went into the mesh point it might have just been an executive decision by Jones to just keep the ball and it wasn't a great decision but at the same time I think Freeman actually might have been blown up we might be talking about two different plays right here but there was one play where Andrew Thomas pulls gets knocked on his knocked on his butt but it's not necessarily his fault because he was uncovered until that split second before the snap. All right,
1: Nick, let's talk some Daniel Jones in this game because upon my review of this game, and I'm surprised a little bit because of all the vitriol he's taking online after this game, I thought Daniel Jones played an excellent game on tape. When you watch the All-22 of this game, you really are going to find it hard. You're going to find it hard-pressed. I mean, he has a couple misses. He has a couple reads I wish he could make that he didn't make. But aside from that, he also has like four to six wow plays i gotta i'm gonna go back and count well when you're when you're speaking next I'm gonna go back and count but i had a handful of just wow plays where he throws dimes some on the move to where the pocket's dead because of his terrible pass protection and like you said especially from the offensive tackle position and we've talked about that off pod, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a little bit but in addition to those plays i mean you can knock him all you want for the fumble i get it but that's a really, really bad play by the tackle there, and he really doesn't have much time. I, I would hope he can hold the ball in the future. Like, I just don't know how many quarterbacks are holding the ball. There. It changed the whole game. The momentum of the game swung with that forced f- fumble. It was off the PA. It was a good time for the Giants to keep. They had a first down. They really were rolling on offense the entire game until that point, um, and it just it hurt them a lot. But my, the point is, besides that play and a few misses, not many, from a ball placement standpoint, and a few reads, again, that I wish he could have made, but I- I'm sure if I evaluated every quarterback every week on All-22, I-, I would find a handful of reads that I wish he would have made. Besides that, though, man, I-, I thought Jones had a really good game.
2: Yeah, I thought Jones was solid. He had a couple plays, what like you just alluded to, that I felt like he could have done a better job, but michael razzi razzi maybe he's how you say it he's a fan of the podcast shout out to him he put together a little thread of like five or six really impressive plays from daniel jones and he put it up on twitter and it just kind of shows his escape ability his athletic ability his ability to extend plays and still throw on the run with pinpoint accuracy extemporize got to give credit to darius slayton on a couple of those plays too because he came back to the ball and allowed daniel jones to have someone competent to throw the football to and This is just a quarterback who really, I feel like I make excuses for him a lot, but I feel like it's similar to Sam Darnold. Just does not have a lot to work with right now. Wide receivers, skill positions, the offensive line, both Cam Fleming and Andrew Thomas, in my opinion, have been playing just not good football whatsoever. Absolutely not. I mean, Alden Smith and DeMarcus Lawrence, I think, both had nine pressures in this game according to Pro Football Focus. Insane. It it is. And Daniel Jones is one of the most pressured quarterbacks in a new system, second year. And I still think he's making a lot of good plays. He's just not putting points on the board. My biggest issue, I guess, with this offense in general is the fact that they can't finish in the red zone. They're settling on way too many field goals. That's a big problem. And there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of people that you can blame. There's a lot of blame that can be assigned there. But overall, Daniel Jones is not the issue with this team. He's an easy punching bag because he was the the sixth overall pick and everybody was against it then and this is his second year and people can just beat them up because he has not won football games. But I watch this film and I come away saying, yeah, there are things that he can definitely improve upon, but he still makes a lot of quality plays with a little around him.
1: Yeah, you're 100% right. And I'm someone who is open to the idea, more open, I think, than most Giants analysts to the idea of considering quarterback in this coming draft. And I say that and will say that about just about every draft every year. I think I'm a big believer in drafting quarterbacks and finding the right answer there. But I come away from this game thinking I'm taking a positive step in the direction of not having to draft a quarterback this year. Because, again, like you said, with Jones there's plays just absolute wow plays the slate catch the one-handed catch where he throws the slot vert that play is also a daniel jones play because if you watch that play on film you will see one of jones's best traits and it's his poise in the pocket as that play develops he sees the slot vert early and instead of looking at the free blitzer because there is a free blitzer on this play there were a lot of free blitzers <laughs> in this game that came at daniel jones but he stands firm in the pocket and delivers that ball to Darius Slayton. He doesn't overthrow Slayton. He doesn't underthrow Slayton. He puts it in a spot where Slayton can make a catch. Slayton doesn't have that much separation on this play if you really look at the play. He slows down a half hitch maybe at the end, but again that's coming after the quarterback is standing in the pocket taking a hit from a free blitzer. And still delivering the ball and then you have the plays where he has to scramble completely and roll out to his right because of the early pressure and he throws pinpoint passes while on the move 15 yards down the field and it hits his receiver right in the spot between the sideline and where his feet can drag before the side and then you have a play like the one at first and 20 where he has to throw a 17 yard out to get himself in a second and manageable and he does it he hits the point Pinpoint accuracy on the out shows he can make those type of throws. And then you have the play where he waits and he finds the open receiver, like Golden Tate, who finds that little hole in the cover, too, at one point, where again, I think it was a second and long or a third and long. So he had four to six big, wow throws to me in this game. And that's a lot considering A, the offense that he's running, B, the receivers that are on the field. Remember, CJ Board, Damian Ratley, Evan Ingram, and more importantly, C, the play of the two offensive tackles. So is there anything else you want to touch on when it comes to Jones? And I guess I'll ask you this, actually. Before we wrap up with Jones, because I thought that was an easy transition to what we want to talk about next, which is the offensive tackle play, but I do want to say this about Jones. As far as his processing goes within this system,
2: where are you at with that? I think it could be... I think there's room for improvement, but I also think a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that this guy has pressure in his face basically instantaneously and I don't want that to be a cop-out or anything like that but once Jones hits his back foot he needs to scramble if he doesn't get the ball out of his hands and that's an issue now I feel like it kind of does affect his overall game because there are some plays I want to highlight in a little bit where I felt like Jones maybe had a read if he realized it where he could have been a huge play, but it wasn't his primary read. It was just a good release off the line of scrimmage from either C.J. Board, who had one, and Darius Slayton had one as well. But I also want to highlight the second and 16, third quarter, 35 seconds. So it's the last play of the third quarter. This is a big boy throw right here. Now, Daniel Jones is on the far hash of this play, right? And he has two receivers to the field. And the Cowboys look like they're lined up in some sort of man coverage and Darius Slayton has some space between him and his coverage defender but he's well outside the numbers so you have far hash Daniel Jones Darius Slayton well outside the numbers and Darius Slayton just runs about a 10 yard curl to the inside and Daniel Jones from the far hash throws it all the way to the outside shoulder of Darius Slayton and Slayton does a good job readjusting of this ball but if the ball was placed anywhere else Dan this pass is going to be get knock down or it's going to get picked or something along those lines and this was a second and 16 which puts the Giants into a much better position because it was third and six was the next play it was a 10 yard gain and the Giants convert on a, the deep play to Darius Slayton that we were talking about before the slot vert So those are two plays consecutively that Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton connect and those are big boy throws now there were some plays that I felt like Daniel Jones kind of left a little bit on the field. There was the second quarter, third and seven with thirteen thirty nine left. It was a slant, flat combo. And there was a, like Dan said before, there was a blitzer right in his face that was not accounted for
1: there were multiple blitzers multiple times in this game i didn't mean to cut you off but multiple times this game where the a-gap blitzer came unaccounted for and i don't know if that's on jones or it's on gates or what's going on but that needs to be
2: cleaned up oh it definitely needs to be cleaned up it's something to do with the protection but on that play the slant flat Slayton beats the cornerback so badly yep. up his stem, and he was wide open, but Jones had to get rid of the ball. Now, I don't really necessarily want to just nail Jones for that, but if he was a bit more patient, that could have been the 20-yard gain. And then third and four, 107 left. before you
1: go to that, not only could have been a third 20-yard gain because, like you said, not only did Slayton create so much separation, the middle field was then wide open. So he's not housing this one. a blitzer, one. Yes. Yeah, because of the free blitzer. But he's not housing this one, but he's taking it inside the 20, and instead they settle for a field goal there. That's one of those game changers where if they put another four points on the board, things change, but go ahead, go on.
2: Yeah, next one, second quarter, third and four, 107 left. Ratley had a bit of off coverage, and he ran a really good curl route. He breaks at about 10 yards, and Daniel Jones is looking in his direction, but unfortunately for the New York Giants, who only had five men in protection, The protection broke down. Cameron Fleming got absolutely dominated by DeMarcus Lawrence. And Daniel Jones had to kind of step outside of the pocket and readjust. And by that point, it got clamped down. So, again, Daniel Jones... Couldn't necessarily make this play. Maybe a better quarterback would be able to be a little bit more evasive, roll out, sense it a little bit better, and kind of see the off coverage of the defender who was on Ratley. I guess maybe you can argue that, but there's something that's consistent with all of these negative plays with Daniel Jones, and that's the fact that it's very hard to make these plays. And I would say what 75% of the quarterbacks in a league wouldn't be able to because it's a protection issue. Yep, it is a offensive tackle issue and I'm not saying that things need to be perfect around Daniel Jones I don't believe that he's that kind of quarterback who needs a perfect situation to succeed but he's really given just absolute crap at this moment
1: yeah I mean I think I'm right there with you it's a big reason why I probably won't turn the page on him this off season unless they have the first pick and I'm just not the type of guy who's ever passing on Trevor Lawrence I'm I'll lock that in right now just so you guys know the Giants do end up with the first pick which I don't think they will I'll be on the Lawrence bandwagon. and that has nothing to do with Jones you could put almost any quarterback on the Giants roster right now and I and I would draft Trevor Lawrence I mean with the exception of Burrow Kyler Murray Mahomes Russell Wilson and, and I'm running out of names already I'd probably. I'm sure I just egregiously left someone out, so I apologize to any fans of any or if anyone calls that Lamar out. Lamar Jackson? Mm, I, I mean, question marks I, there? Question mark probably for me there. Um, Averaging 185. Especially, especially yards. on the Giants' offense, I think Lamar Jackson got drafted by the single best organization in football besides the Patriots. But I actually think the Ravens are even better, or if an organization as far as drafting goes and roster building goes, um, into an amazing offensive line with an offensive coordinator, perfect for his skill set so i don't think if he if if mar Jackson was on the Giants right now i don't think it would look that good i mean it Um, hasn't
2: really looked that good this year either
1: yeah he might be injured too but that's a whole other story um but as far as the quarterback situation goes what you said is a great point because the tackle play is so bad and it really is so truly amazing that we've been talking like this now since Jerry Reese's infamous season where he trotted out Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart as a starting in tackles one of the most pathetic uh, pathetic moves uh, just really just unbelievably unfathomable moves by a gm i've ever seen in the history of football to trot out eric flowers and bobby hutter starting ta- off the tackles but it's not at that point nick but it's not that much better from cam fleming and from andrew thomas we're going to get to them in a second because i have questions to, to ask you there but because of the tackle play because again yeah jones is not we're not saying that jones you know should have perfect play around him but when you have damian ratley out there not creating much separation cj board has had a couple good reps but not too many evan ingram not utilized correctly therefore not doing too many great things and two running backs that are okay whatever but offensive line play especially the tackle positions that's just so detrimental to what you want to do from a staying on schedule standpoint for a quarterback like jones who wants to be in rhythm on schedule It's crazy to think about, but the games where he had protection last season, he hasn't had one of those this year, and there weren't, and they were few and far between last year as well, because Solder had his horrendous moments over and over again. Though Remmers was obviously better than what we've seen from Fleming in those games, Jones was able to pick apart defenses. He really was. He's that type of quarterback. And like you said, when I see him making these throws that he made in this game, those four to six throws that he made, that were just unbelievable big boy throws that I don't see from every quarterback, and that show me that if he had time he could just wait and pick apart and just wait till that wait till that spot gets open and throw the ball to that spot but obviously that hasn't been the case this year we're five games in we might see some we we might want to talk about some changes there but before we get there i do want to talk about a play that i saw from jones that i thought because i i started the question and we went on to a little bit of tangent, which is fine it's going to happen of where are we at with this processing are we seeing anything from that standpoint i actually saw a play where i thought he did a really good job um with his processing and i'm talking about his read on the third and nine play in 539 uh, on the second quarter of this game so again third and long situation never easy especially when you have these two tackles cj board and damian ratley on the field but i thought jones did an excellent job processing post snap here and getting the ball to the right spot here
2: Oh, absolutely. And it was a uh, clear out man coverage type of route. So you have a tight bunch inside of the numbers with the number three receiver lined up on the hash. And that number three receiver runs the seven route. And that's Golden Tate. So it's a deep out, I guess you could say. So it's not as much of a corner, but he's running that off the back of the number two receiver who's running a vert, who carries that covering defender up the up the basically the seam it's inside the numbers not quite on the seam but it kind of splits the difference so this is actually a zone coverage but it looked like man initially but this is zone looks like they're in some sort of cover three and since that number two receiver kind of clears him out and there's an underneath route from the number one receiver just a quick pivot route from i want to say it's damian Ratley. the underneath defender kind of gets sucked up there and that leaves this huge void this is a three level read right here from daniel jones this is actually a pretty simplified play from jason garrett against zone coverage because you have a clear out option then you have an underneath option and you have that clear out option running deep taking that corner far away and then that underneath option is kind of tight to the line of scrimmage so that leaves about 10 yards of space for daniel jones who was very patient on this play he waits for golden tate to break outside and then takes a really big hit from jalen smith and releases the ball right to golden tate accurate on point and it was a uh, i think a really good play call on a third and nine by jason garrett's kind of some of the stuff that we were talking about before about how jason Garrett did have a lot of good play calls against this specific defense in the run and the pass game and on this play Andrew Thomas finishes a block pretty hard on an inside spin. I actually had that highlighted on the good for Andrew Thomas because he gets beat pretty bad inside, but then he's able to redirect his hips, redistribute kind of his weight, and then just shove Demarcus Lawrence, I want to say, to the ground on that play. But then another blitzer ends up coming in and kind of just wailing Daniel Jones. But good on Daniel Jones for just sticking in that pocket, waiting it out. And I got to say, man, he is a tough quarterback man he's a very very tough quarterback takes a freaking huge hit on this play
1: yeah i mean there's a lot to unpack on this play it's one of the biggest plays in my opinion in this game from the standpoint of evaluating this team i really do feel that way for a lot of reasons most of which you touched on there which is one it's a great read by jones but two in my opinion it's a great job by jones in that regard and i agree it is a little bit of an easy read but it's a good read two it again displays this poise because daniel jones sees the free blitzer he takes the free blitzer hit and yet throws to the field side outside the numbers outside the hashes again it's not a perfect ball obviously he's getting destroyed and hit and placed off his back foot but it's a good ball and it hits golden tate past the sticks for the first down and this the third reason is it is a good call by jason garrett but what what i'm trying to say here is i want more of these type of calls from garrett with the clear out routes and the these two these three level read routes where he can get the one receiver clearing out the action and then get that little void where daniel jones can throw these intermediate balls because i really do feel like jones's best plays in this game came in this intermediate range outside the numbers outside the hash marks and he had four or five big time throws which we've all gone over but if that's the case We may be looking at a quarterback whose best skill set is not what we originally thought, which was this quick game stuff, this accurate quick game stuff. It's really, actually, the fact that he can make these NFL-level throws outside the hashes 15 yards down the 10 to 15 yards down the field. And when you have that and when you know that and if you can kind of build off of that, you can kind of change and design your offense differently. And once you start having more of these plays in your playbook and you start using them not just on 3rd and 9 when you have to, you start using them on 1st and 10, you start using them on 2nd and 10, you start using them on 2nd and 5. When you start to do this more often, it makes the defense play you differently. And they're gonna ha- you're going to have to see a, a defense that adjusts to the Giants throwing the throwing the intermediate routes more often and I think in my mind when you're an offense that throws the intermediate routes more often you're an offense that is a lot more successful and efficient overall when you're an offense that starts to get a reputation for just this quick game stuff you start to see what's been happening with all these defenses which is corners sitting on routes and corners sitting on these tight curls and making breaks on the ball and there's been some interceptions there's been some near interceptions because of it so I really think it's a it's a it's it's a good sign for Garrett but I I would hope that he starts to incorporate it more and more and we did see it on some of the first and tens. there's no denying it um in this game especially but I want them to become an offense that attacks the intermediate level of the field because I think to me that's where Jones can thrive
2: and I also want the offense to definitely incorporate more seam routes
1: yeah well that's slot versus seam, seam the, routes the, there's the thing with Garrett that we didn't even touch on that mean you have talked about a ton off pod why the hell is he not using uh, Texas and angle routes with these running backs? I don't care who your running backs are. Anyone can operate these routes. And Devontae Freeman sure as hell can. And Wayne Gallman, I've seen it. He can too. We need to see more of the running back routes out of the backfield. It's easy money. It's easy money. The best teams are doing it because it's easy money. And like you said, the seam stuff with Ingram, I'm at the point. And such as Ingram. Caden Smith can run them too. Jones found a lot of success with Caden Smith up the seam in those four games. Ingram was out last year towards the end of the season. I'm I, At this point, I, I'm throwing my hands up, but I'm just saying I don't know what the deal is with that because I don't know why Garrett's not doing that. There must be some reason we don't know. But as far as the running back routes goes, those are just easy money. You don't need protection for those. Those get open quickly.
2: One one reason why I guess I can say is because the Giants have been facing a lot of middle-of-the-field closed safeties. Right. But you can also use that seam route as a clear-out route for underneath routes. There, right, yeah. Yeah, so you can also use that, but seems are really deadly against cover two, middle of the field open Mm -hmm. type of uh teams like what the giants ran a lot of on defense which we'll go over on the next pod Uh, and that's you you do that because you respect the pass because you need to cover really talented receivers which the giants do not really have that as of right now but you want to get into Andrew Thomas Dan
1: yeah let's talk about the two tackles let's start with Andrew Thomas
2: yeah, so you want to jump into the bad first or you want to go over the good? Let's let's start with the bad all right so
1: because ultimately we'll start there because ultimately this was more bad than good again from andrew thomas it was another bad game from this guy he's hurting the team he's hurting daniel jones development he's making it harder for the giants to understand what they have in this entire offense and jones specifically and that sucks because he was the fourth overall pick and it sucks because Makai becton's playing well when when unhealthy and tristan wirfs i know he had one bad games playing all awesome besides that game and Jedrick Wills is playing awesome for the Browns so this sucks they need this guy has to play better football
2: absolutely and it started with that flea flicker I mean the reason that flea flicker went off the rails which (laughs) was in the first quarter first and 10 801 left the reason it went off went off the rails was because DeMarcus Lawrence who was two-point stance wide of Andrew Thomas Andrew Thomas doesn't even really overset but DeMarcus Lawrence just powers right through his inside yep. shoulder. I feel like I'm a freaking broken record right now because we keep talking about how Andrew Thomas cannot protect his inside shoulder, and he didn't here. And he actually tries to wash DeMarcus Lawrence into Will Hernandez, who Will Hernandez was blocking a defensive tackle at the time. And that's a solid strategy, but he's not even strong enough to do that well. And yeah. he just gives up the inside, and Lawrence is right in Jones's face when Jones catches the flea flicker. <laughs> So literally, Jones has to secure this ball, and then he sees number 90 right in his grill. And to Jones' credit, what does he do? He squares himself up, and he just rolls out. And he finds Darius Slayton with a dart on the sideline for a 17-yard gain.
1: Literally, I just want to make sure people realize how good of a play this is by Jones. With most quarterbacks in the NFL, in my opinion, now again the NFL is moving in a direction where there are some more athletic quarterbacks so I think some can scramble out of that and turn this into an incomplete pass but I think a lot of quarterbacks are taking a negative 10 yards here but Jones turns it into plus 17 that's a 27 yard swing just keep that in mind when you see these plays when Jones is rolling out because the pressure is immediately there and he throws that ball that hits the guy right in the pinpoint on the sideline just keep in mind what kind of yardage swing that is
2: it's an it's so understated about Daniel Jones, it really is. And then we had the third and one, quarter one, two fifty-eight left. Now, this was just the three-yard gain by Eli Penny on a third and one. But this actually could have been maybe even a slightly bigger gain if Dan, if uh Daniel Jones, if Andrew Thomas gets his block on the inside from the backside of the play. This isn't even a front side play for Andrew Thomas. He's the backside tackle here. And he's squared up with DeMarcus Lawrence. And DeMarcus Lawrence attacks the half man. Andrew Thomas just lunges at him and is totally off balance. One foot is just completely off the ground. The
1: still shot of this. <laughs> this, The still shot of Andrew Thomas here versus every single other Giants player blocking on this play is an absolute nightmare. He's fully off balance, lunging. Okay, go on.
2: And then DeMarcus Lawrence just splits him and yep. is able to hit elijah penny in the knee and then eli penny falls forward for a couple yards which is good the fact that you know he fell forward for a couple yards but if this was a clean run maybe eli penny was would be able to pick up a couple extra yards and i'm not even even if it wasn't like you need to be able to prevent an edge player a defensive lineman from doing that from the backside, and you got beat inside again this has been a trend with andrew thomas over and over again he's not able to protect his inside and that is just resulting in the giants rushing game and the giants passing game to just suffer significantly
1: yeah i mean there's no doubt about it i think you you nailed it right there one of his biggest issues is these inside moves so he's so susceptible to his inside moves like you said it's the inside to shoulder he just doesn't have the strength i don't know what it is his punch is not timed right like you said a lot of it like you really is a balance issue with him um and then even speed off the edge i mean there's a play that we're about to go over first and 10 from the giants 37 yard line with 508 left in the second quarter this is again very important this is a very important moment in this game and what happens andrew thomas gets beat on the speed rush daniel jones runs a play action so again there's really no margin for error when you're running play action For the offensive tackles, in my mind, you have to—you are the most important player on a play-action play, play play, at least a seven-step drop, five-seven-step drop play-action play. But Lawrence just totally beats him with speed. If you look at the play on all twenty-two, Thomas is completely off balance when he first tries to make contact with Lawrence using his hands, but again doesn't even reach him um, with his arms.
2: Yeah, and it's also Lawrence on this play just clubs Andrew Thomas's outside arm down. Right when Andrew Thomas is about to punch, he squares up, he's about to punch, and Lawrence just goes for the club of that outside arm, Yep. and Andrew Thomas drops his hands, tries to reset his hands and turn his hips, By that, but by that point, Demarcus Lawrence is already starting to point his hips into the pocket, which is a deep pocket because this is a play-action pass where Daniel Jones is trying to take five steps but he can't do any of that and he takes him a little bit to feel the pressure and i'm not even really going to knock daniel jones for that necessarily i mean i guess you would want him to feel it a little bit before but i think he was done anyways because demarcus lawrence cleared andrew thomas by this point
1: yeah i mean i don't know how anyone could watch this and knock jones because the minute he hits his back foot Tom, uh demarcus lawrence is there due to the just atrocious play by thomas on this play it's all going to be described as just really really bad tackle play um but y- you know what you do hope is that jones can get better with his grip and holding on to the football because that is an issue for him a lot of quarterbacks will just take the sack there and hold the ball which does you know help them from losing this game obviously the, the fumble six was a was a reason they lost but it's just so bad because if you just have good competent tackle play which is the least you can expect from your fourth overall pick in a really good tackle class with four great prospects three of who played great right out the gates then this doesn't happen. You know, it just doesn't happen. Jones doesn't fumble because Jones hits the back step and, and, and looks at his read and throws the football. He's just never fumbling there. And it's just a game-changing play. Uh, and it's just tough.
2: Yeah, there's also plays where Jones just kind of got backpedaled into. Where Thomas uh, where Thomas made. just got yep. backpedaled into Daniel Jones yep. by Alden Smith. The bull rushes DeMarcus are hurting Marcus him. Lawrence, yeah, the bull rushes are definitely it's hurting just, it's, him. It's, which it's... is weird because his anchor ability in college was so good. He had an excellent anchor ability, and I think right now it's just he's his hands are just not being used to maximize his skill set. I feel like his punch is totally off. He's not controlling. He's not initiating contact, and he's kind of letting the edge player dictate the rep. And I'm done with making excuses. Oh, he's facing this guy. He's facing that yeah, guy. No. no, he's faced some modest edge rushers, and I know Alden Smith's having a very good year this year. But Alden Smith had a couple reps where he made Andrew Thomas he embarrassed Andrew Thomas. Frankly, yeah.
1: I mean, there's been a lot. I mean, the fact of the matter is, the the whole he's playing good guys thing doesn't hold up when he when he loses to Dion Jordan and the guy I can't pronounce in the Rams. So I don't care to pronounce.
2: Um, <laughs> um, yeah or something something that that goes lines. up
1: But I, it ha- it's this is a tough one for me. This is of all the picks Gettleman made. This is going to be the most frustrating one for me. I want an immediate production because I'm getting it from the other three tackles in this class and i'm not getting it from thomas and it's the most important position on the field and it's the most important position for daniel jones development and it's super important to us recognizing if jones is the guy he needs competent tackle play and he's not getting it from either side so we can harp on this thomas thing with all the reps there were some good ones i even pointed out a couple to you that i liked we can we could go into that too because you know again he seems okay. to get better in the second
2: half and we, and we should go into that but first if anybody wants just a, a negative outlook if you guys are you <laughs> yeah. know into the negative go to the fourth quarter first and 10 12 left backside run play for andrew thomas he gets absolutely tossed to the ground by alden smith looking like he has absolutely no idea what he's doing and i'm not trying to just crap on andrew thomas he right here. that that might be a touchdown uh, it, it, if he it cuts does get that back uh, yes if 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 Wayne Gallman is able to feel that and cut it back I'm not sure if he sensed that backside yeah. pressure uh but it, there was a really good block by Will Hernandez and Nick Gates on the front side and Will Hernandez had a I would say a probably a better game in the uh in the run portion of the game there were a couple reps in pass protection where I saw him on the ground and I was what are you doing on the ground but it's just the offensive line, just in general, is just not something that I am confident in. But yeah, let's highlight some of his good reps for anybody who has Game Pass and kind of wants to jump on there.
1: Yeah, because there's definitely some good with Thomas. So, I mean, we can start with one that I liked that I liked a lot from him that I went over with you. Um, and it's the third and six from the Dallas ten eleven twenty one in the fourth quarter. This is a play where I actually didn't like the read jones made he's kind of looking to the right side of the field where i feel like the receivers ran the wrong routes or something happened there because it just bogged down everybody in running at the same depth but you know if he flips his hips back and looks left he might have it but i really thought jones did a good i'm sorry thomas did a really good job here of pushing alden smith who again this is actually one of the tougher matchups think he's faced alden smith's been one of the best pass rushers in the nfl of course the cowboys got him for basically free but he literally has been one of the best pass rushers in the nfl this season for what it's worth um, and I thought Thomas did a great job with him here
2: absolutely I mean Andrew Thomas again this is a third and six very important play Alden Smith just wide of him and honestly Andrew Thomas gets dominated from the beginning of this rep and what I love about it is he's able to reestablish himself so yep. Alden Smith controls his arms pushes him back and you could see Thomas's pad level automatically rise and honestly watching this not knowing what was going to happen I would think that Andrew Thomas would was about to just get absolutely thrown to the ground, and then Daniel Jones would get sack fumbled or something like that. But Thomas is able to re-sync his hips, re-anchor himself, get his hands back inside, and then turn his hips onto Alden Smith's outside hip, and then just shove him. Into the rest of the line of scrimmage, not allow him to get beat inside. So that kind of shows that, hey, look, I've been beat inside a lot, but I'm able to kind of re anchor, re establish myself, re establish my dominance, use my strength, use my core strength and my lower body to kind of dominate the latter end of the rep. So, because he lost in the beginning part of that rep, and he definitely looked really good on the second part so I'm really glad that he did that he also had a couple good plays in the running game on double teams climbing to the second level because there were a ton of the on those counter plays where Andrew Thomas and Will Hernandez double team that three technique and Andrew Thomas is very strong in these situations when he's down blocking when he's washing people down the line of scrimmage so he would help Will Hernandez with this double team and allow Hernandez to establish himself and then Andrew Thomas would climb locate the linebacker and he did a I would say a solid job at doing that as well
1: yeah and I think you said it best What I told you about that one rep that I pointed out was that it's exactly what I want to see from Thomas it's not pretty like you said he got dominated at first but it doesn't have to be pretty I just want him to win these reps as ugly as they may look I just don't want him to get killed on these reps and he's not I don't think it will ever look that pretty with Andrew Thomas I've maintained that since the pre draft process to me he was by far and away the least athletic of these four tackles he was the only one in my opinion who didn't have that kind of freakish upside from a just smoothness standpoint I always thought he was kind of herky jerky in his past but I didn't Love him when I saw him at, at Georgia from an athletic standpoint and just from that quickness standpoint. But it doesn't have to be pretty. And no, you know it's going to look pretty sometimes with beckton because he's a freak, and it's going to look pretty sometimes with Wills because he, or I'm sorry, with Wurfs because he's an absolute athletic freak. It may not look that way with Thomas, but he just has to have more reps where he just wins the reps. It's just win or loss, win, and it's just the consistency thing with him because he can be yeah. an ugly consistent tackle, and that's fine. Maybe they end up regretting using four on him. But as long as he's a solid above-average starter, which he has not at all been, he's been literally one of the five worst tackles in the NFL, most likely. I mean, that's what Brandon Thorne said. I'm not. I don't evaluate every tackle, so it's impossible for me to know a ranking of him. If
2: there's anybody to trust, it's Brandon.
1: But I do trust Brandon. Obviously, the PFF rankings agree. He's been one of the bottom ten, and
2: and I. I, it, I it, but again, it's just consistency. I've maintained this issue too, and I know I brought this up to you before on the podcast. Right now, the way Andrew Thomas is playing on the 2020 New York Giants is worse than Nate Solder on the. 2019 oh yeah, I knew Giants. you wanted
1: to get into this. This was like this was a hot. This was a hot. I don't one. think it not is not a hot, hot take, take, but a hot one. No, I'm calling it a hot one because it may be the correct take, but it's hot because Solder was really bad too last year.
2: But my thing is, I think Solder was really bad on a couple really key plays that were exploited. Mm -hmm. Now, I think Mike Remmers is better than Cameron Fleming. Yes. I think we agree on that. Well, we have to get into that
1: too. So First, let's talk this because I want to get into that too because I want to know when's the time we make the move to Matt Parrick because at some point – You have to close the door on this Cameron Fleming experiment. He was not consistent with the Cowboys, and when I talked to my Cowboys insider, he said, you're not going to—I was uh, pretty excited about the signing because of his time with the Patriots, and he said, don't get too excited. You're not going to like this guy. You're just not gonna like him. He has a few he's one of those guys who's gonna give you a few reps on tape that make him look like, okay, this is a top ten tackle in the league but then he's gonna give you double the amount of just unbelievably bad reps. And that's kind of what we're getting from Fleming.
2: Yeah, especially in pass protection. He seems to in be pass pro, right. Yeah, he seems to be a liability and just slow footed. Uh, doesn't really have that kind of punch that you're looking for, doesn't mirror as well, gets beat up the arc. And another player kind of similar to Andrew Thomas who gets beat inside. Thomas you can make excuses for. This is He started in five right. games so far, so he's getting used to the speed of the NFL, the inside counters, the nuance of how pass rushers employ those type of things. Cameron Fleming has been in the league for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But on to the point, man, yes, about Matt Parrott. Right. I think it could happen. It, it, it when def- should it happen? Well, look, Let alone could Joe Judge. When should it? Happen? Joe Judge has used him in a couple packages mm-hmm. in this game. I think he played a couple snaps. He also had a whole drive dedicated to him in a two-minute drill against the Rams. So it's on their radar. I think they're just kind of waiting and seeing. But I think if Cam Fleming has one of those egregious games, which I think he's had really bad games to be honest, but I think maybe we will see that switch. Maybe at the same time though, they're looking at this offensive line and they're saying look we're starting a rookie left tackle might as well be a rookie center do we really want to go yeah. with a rookie right tackle it's just, just having a veteran out there might be better even though he's not as skilled since matt Perry isn't that excellent prospect he's kind of an unknown as of right now so i'm going to trust mark colombo and joe judge's judgment there uh, just due to the fact that they or with these players all the time i think if matt parrot was as good as we hope that he is he would have already been there
1: yeah and with the exception of maybe quarterback to wide receiver from a report standpoint there's nothing more important than keeping the same five guys barring injury on your offensive line working together building cohesion especially in the run game so from that standpoint they maybe look at it as like we may not be gaining too much yet because parrot is still developing and young and what we're losing from the continuity standpoint is not worth the switch which is fine by me if that's the decision because i need to do whatever gives jones the best chance is what i want i've said that every year it's why i said i was open to the idea before he opted out of solder at left tackle and thomas at right tackle if it was the best option for this year i just want jones to have the most possible time he can have back there that's
2: it as of right now, though, I think the 2019 Giants offensive line might be better than the 2020 Giants offensive Wait, line. T-
1: yeah, that's what you mentioned, and it's it's interesting. And I think it is a very it could be very, a very strong case can be made for that, especially considering how much better uh, Remmers was.
2: Remmers was a lot better than Cam Fleming. I think Zeitler still Zeitler. Hernandez is still Hernandez, obviously. And those players, I don't think their play has uh, really Changed decreased much, yeah. or increased. I think they're kind of consistent with who they are. Nick Gates and Alapio is somewhat of a wash, I guess you could say. I
1: think I like Gates more in the run game, but I'm fine calling
2: it a wash because of the pass stuff. I think I do agree with that as well. I think Gates just has a little bit more oomph than than Alapio. But as for Andrew Thomas... And Nate Solder, mm. I think there's an argument to be had that Nate Solder unreal. is better than Andrew Thomas unreal. as of right now in terms of their play. Unreal, the, Nick. The it's the a four-tackle class. It's an unreal
1: class. They had their choice of any of well, them. It's, a, it's this, unreal. This is
2: a rookie player, and I think the difference is on a lot of the plays where Nate Solder got beat, Daniel Jones was sacked. Whereas this year, Daniel Jones is getting smarter, the hell out, yeah. and he's getting the hell the out of the Give the man some pocket, credit for getting
1: yes. the freaking hell out. How many sacks? This, guy's not t- this guy should have like four times as many sacks taken as he has Daniel Jones. It's really unbelievable some of the plays he's gotten out of.
2: And that also goes to the fact that you and I have talked about his internal clock needs to get better, and I still stand by that, but yeah. I still think it's gotten so much better yeah. than what it was last year.
1: So much better than what it was last year. So much better. And on that note, anything else you want to touch on on the offense? If you want to wrap this one up and then
2: prepare to dive into the defense yeah no when the offense i think we touched on garrett and the way he kind of called this game i thought it was much better than our original thought process so i'm ready to kind of dive into this defense and patrick graham and the different kind of coverages that he uses all the time i really like patrick graham
1: yeah well stay tuned or actually download the next one yes um listen in Take the time because we're about to dive into the Cowboys defense. I'm sorry, the Giants defense against the Cowboys offense. A really potent offense, by the way, on this next spot. But. On that note, thanks again for everyone tuning in and following us on Instagram, giving us that rating and review and interacting with us on Twitter. We're going to try to do some more things as the season moves forward, especially if the Giants get mathematically out of contention. There will be a How Do We Get Here podcast that me and Nick have been bouncing around. We want to get back to the Q&A podcast. I know a few of you asked, throwing me some questions on Twitter and said, when are you guys going to be doing the questions pods again? We're going to definitely do those again. People are interested in them, so we'll definitely run those back as well. And this week, we're actually going to have a guest on the show i'm going to keep that one a surprise so you'll see it hit soon it's kind of like we had two weeks ago um this one's even, even even higher profile it's a it's a player that most of you probably watch play football um so without further ado i'm going to wrap this one up with the go giants and stay tuned for the next pod which will be breaking down the giants defense